1: Hail to the victors. Steve, you couldn't have had a better outcome for your trip. I know there's a lot of things that went on with the trip. We won't get into that necessarily. (laughs) But (laughs) planes, trains, automobiles, and sick children. Yes. That aside, um, man, Michigan, a chance to go see Big Blue roll historic national championship under your boy, Jim Harbaugh. You had to just be like, there was never a moment of doubt over there. Um, that they were going to win this game. It was remarkable.
0: I, I won't say there wasn't a moment of doubt. I think when it was 17 to 10 at the half and Washington had the ball to start. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know, you went, okay, they're one score down. You know, one, you know, Michigan had done a great job all half containing them, but they got a touchdown late.
1: Yeah. One
0: big play, one, and, and Washington had a chance at a couple of big plays. They missed. Mm-hmm. You know, one big play and it's a tie game. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, there was no turnovers in the game. You know, you were kind of waiting who would be the first one to turn the ball over, but mm. the performance Michigan put on. Uh, everyone talks about the running game, and 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 everyone knows Michigan's good at that, but the defensive performance they've put on for the last month and a half against Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, mm-hmm. and now Washington has been. It's been impressive because they've had different game plans for each team. Like, what they did against Alabama, they did not do against Washington. Against Alabama, it was rush five, rush six, pressure Milrow, you know, in his face, this. Against Washington, they rushed four. Mm-hmm. They played zone, not man in the back. And yeah. it messed Penix up. Yeah, he had, he had his worst day. Um, he threw nothing and, to the middle of the field. Had nothing there. Yeah, Like, all he could throw was the outside. right. And and you know when you take away the whole middle of the field from a, a quarterback, you're very limited now.
1: Well, and when you can play the run with seven man front, I mean mm-hmm. that was the that was the difference. Is that yep. you know either they wouldn't or couldn't. Um, of course, you know Washington's top tailback uh, came in injured, got injured more, and, and so you know they weren't really confident, I guess, in running the mm-hmm. football. And of course, they want to throw it because what Penix does is is you know the best thing they do on offense. So you're right. Um, they challenged them to run the football and just sat back and cover two in a lot of zone, and um, you know that, that was the and I don't think Michael played well. I, I, it's interesting because before this game, um, you know, and credit to to Harbaugh and his defensive staff and all that for you know having the right game plan and knowing how to dial it up, but uh, I really thought that Penix looked like maybe the best quarterback in America. I mean, he was so accurate. Um, so confident in the pocket, looked like a pro quarterback. But it just goes to show you that you can game plan for anybody, right? And mm-hmm. and if you do so, and you make them do the things they're not comfortable doing, you can make them look bad. And that's that's why you know the kid probably should have come out of the game because he obviously was hurting, especially towards the end. It was hard to watch. But um, yeah, just a terrific game plan. Um, offensively, I mean. What do they throw the ball 10 times? I mean, they just turned it and handed it off and, and we're just steamrolling people. I'm, and the explosive yeah, what,
0: 178 yards in the first quarter rushing or something like that. I mean,
1: yeah, and explosive runs, too. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, oh, all those holes touchdowns. were
0: huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, and you don't you don't see
0: it on TV, but, you know, we were kind of behind. We were in the end zone yeah. up high and you could yeah. see those holes open before they hit them. And you were yeah, just no, like, they had wow. guys in
1: the second level, and and um, you know, and
0: it wasn't like Blake Corum that got him going right away. It was other running backs, mm-hmm. Donovan Edwards, who, right. you know, when Corum got hurt last year before the Ohio State game, you know, was huge in the Ohio State game, was huge right. in the the TCU game, and in the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tremendous running back. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's he'd start for almost any other team in America or a lot of teams in America. Sure he was just behind Blake Corm who's a stud.
1: Yeah, no, uh-huh. he's
0: not, he's so fast. I mean, once he got into
1: the open field, no one was going to catch him. It was just everything was ending up in the end zone. So,
0: but Washington that, missed gaps, and like I said, as soon as they would hand the ball off, I I turned i my like boom, like yeah. you could see it was like this is going to be a huge play because it was right. and they were gaping holes. In
1: the yeah, defense. yeah, no one, no one touched them. They were in the second level before anyone was even close to them. It was impressive, um, as impressive of a season. If you just took the whole season and thought about the big games they played and how they, how they rolled, uh, this, was, this was a historic college football team. I mean, these guys these guys were studly.
0: And there were a couple just... stats that just impressed the heck out of me. They played 15 games. It's a lot. They had 45 penalties all season mm. and only five offensive penalties. Only what? Come on. Say that again. Five offensive penalties all year. All season? Yep. Jeez. You get five false starts in every college game. Washington practically did in the national championship game. Right. Illegal formations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's discipline. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's coaching. He's mm-hmm. got a good coaching staff. Um, I don't. I mean, it must, it had to be a little surreal. Like if you're a Michigan fan and we talked about, was it, didn't we agree
0: that it was like the Brian Greasy year that they had a the Rose Bowl victory? Yeah. That that was, was, yeah. 1997 was the last time 30 years ago yeah, or something. Like and that. they split the national title because Phil Fulmer right. voted Michigan fourth or fifth. Yeah. In the coaches' poll, right. because Charles Woodson beat Manning and the Heisman. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've never really had a good system. Um, <laughs> that one was probably even worse, but, uh, so, so yeah, for and, and and it looked to me, and I, you know, Michigan travels well. You had to have had the the dominant uh, fan base there, right?
0: Someone said the ticket sales were like sixty eight to thirty two, oh, percentage okay. wise, I mean, as far solid. as when they track it. Now that you know, there's yeah. I mean, there's the aftermarket. You can't always who tell they give who them to, is, so, yeah, right, sure. Um, but as far as you know, where they were kind of purchased from. Yeah. That's a, I heard someone say that. I don't know for certain. But
1: it was a, it was a you, you could tell in the stadium, right? It was a mm-hmm. huge Michigan contention.
0: Yeah, I mean, oh, I thought Washington traveled well too. I mean, actually, we yeah. kind of before the game, well, we were like, well, there's a lot more purple here than blue. Oh, wow. Um, but as the game and that was, you know, the tailgate area hours beforehand, but Yeah, as you it guys were just as as out there in. for the
1: extra beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um I was disappointed that it wasn't a closer game because I was hoping that, you know, they had gotten it right in the semifinals. It used to be hard to top them. They were both mm-hmm. you know, down to the wire. But, um, yeah, just a great
0: win. And now – You know, it's year 10 of the college football playoff. It's the first time that number one beat number two in the final. Yeah, they've not had that matchup. You're right. No, they've had the matchup, but two has won every time they've had the matchup. Oh, two has won. Okay, I got you. All this right. This is the first time that one – I think it's the fourth time out of ten that it was one versus two. And the other three times, two beat one. This was the first time one beat two. Okay. The other times you had a three or a four in there.
1: Yeah. No, they were the best, te- best team in a long time. I mean, one for the ages. Okay, so now the game is over and, you know, the maze confetti is falling um, and everybody's happy on the Michigan side. And Harbaugh's up there accepting the championship. And you see mm-hmm. John came, which was cool. You know, it was nice to see his brother there. And family was there, dad, mom, and all that stuff. He's up there holding the trophy, and of course no one's going to announce anything after they just won a title. What's the general feeling like in that building among Michigan fans? Are you looking at your head coach for the last time in in the Michigan
0: Colors? I think many think that. They're hoping it's the opposite. Yeah. Um I don't I don't I I think he's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know he's a hundred percent gone though, at this point. I don't know yet. Hmm. but and, and, more likely that he won a national title that he would leave or not. Oh, I think, more. I think absolutely more likely. I mean, you know, he yeah. he came and when he was hired, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to bring Michigan back and win national titles and big 10 titles. And right. Well, he's won three big 10 titles in a row. There you he go. He Went to the college football playoff three years in a row. And now he's won one at all. Like everything mm-hmm. he said he wanted to do when he got there, he's accomplished now he's accomplished and he's left them a terrific, you know, base of players yeah. and coaches and and a lot of the fans want shereen moore to be that's fair i the, don't know why next you, head coach you now you do know do whether he is or, i mean you know this week you heard things like kalen DeBoer is a candidate or you know somebody michigan would consider what he's mm-hmm. done at washington's been phenomenal yeah it has been um, and he's coached right. in the big 10 in indiana before and yeah yep you know i mean you know it'll be interesting what ward manual does if harbaugh leaves Mm-hmm. Um, because I also think that if Harbaugh goes to the pros, I think Jesse Minner, the defensive coordinator, goes with him. He's going to take him. Yeah. Yep. Um, Moore, I think, would stay and possibly be the head coach. Although you know he could take him too, maybe. But uh, Minner does have NH, uh, NFL experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, coached in uh, for John in Baltimore. Right. Yeah, he'll his staff will be great. He'll he'll get he'll
1: get the cream of the crop if he wants to. And he'll be able to pay those guys. Any owner mm-hmm. that's going to take him
0: on is going to make sure that his staff is what he wants it yeah. to be, and all of that. I, 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 I know, I know, a- I'm biased, mm-hmm. and, and you know, obviously, I'm a huge Harbaugh fan. Was as a kid when he was a quarterback. Yeah. But it would stink for college football if he's gone. He's unique. He's different. He speaks his mind doesn't speak oh, he's in sound by his all get out man yeah. you know i mean you know he he advocates for his kids probably better than any other coach publicly right you know i i think college football overall would miss him i mean you know, if you think he cheated okay you know and well and, they don't think it they, well, they he said they, they were innocent. he said he said afterwards it was they were innocent but
1: oh uh, you know, you know yeah. yeah that's here's the thing though and just like looking down that future and i know what you're saying i mean and he, he's one of those, you know, coaches, college football is about coaches. Pro football is about players, right, mm-hmm. for the most part. And because the coaches are the constant every four or five years, or in this case maybe two years, you lose your best players anyway to the NFL. So so they're, they're the, kind of the, the, the foundation, the stars, mm-hmm. whatnot. And he has that aura that, you know, the Paternos had or, you know, Nick Saban's have, like that sort of. Gravita, if you will. Um, when you turn on the TV, if you see, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know that's Michigan. You know you know what college football, where, where he belongs. Having said all that, I, it's unfortunate, okay, this whatever this sign-stealing thing is, which probably goes on other places, which is not an excuse, but likely more true than not. But he's looking at if he did return – you might not have Jim Harbaugh. You didn't have him on the sidelines for six games last year. They could come down and say, yeah, you're going to take mm-hmm. all the season or, or it close to all the season off again. Which is another reason I wouldn't blame him if he left. Right. I mean, And I, I think that's what he's facing, though. Mm-hmm. Like, an at best, an uncertain future, but more likely that he's going to be spending more nights at the courtyard and name the city where they're playing, you know, watching it on TV. Like, I, I just don't... I don't know what he's coming back to, but it's not going to be a chance to coach, at least not initially, you know, and, and his battles with the NCAA and, and just college football in general is, is like you said, he's an advocate for players getting paid. He talked about, you know, then probably having to unionize, like he's always going to butt heads against the establishment on that standpoint. Um, But, you know, people say, and I think, if you really look at it, like he was an incredibly successful NFL coach. I mean, this team mm-hmm. you know, went to a Super Bowl, lost to his brother, also went to like two or three other na- uh, NFC championships. No, went
0: to three straight NFC championships. He's one of right. two coaches to coach in a national championship game and a Super Bowl.
1: Now, I know this about Jim Harbaugh, and maybe this is why they could tolerate him longer at Michigan than they could wherever his next stop is, is he will chew up an organization like, Mm-hmm. You know, I know guys that have coached for him and I don't need to put words in their mouth or, or anything like that, but, um, you know, he, there, there's a high, high bar for all of them that, that they have to, how much they work, um, what their expectations are of himself. And he translates that to his staff, right? Like they, they plan on winning and you're going to put in the effort that he does all the time, but he's going to chew up an organization. It's got to be a place that they'll allow him to have that power, you know? And so the more I look at it, I, everybody's been talking about how the chargers are probably the best situation because they look at Justin Herbert, who I think is a really good, really good quarterback. I don't know how much better he is with Jim Harbaugh, but I think better than he's been um, because of the coaching he's had or not had. However, And you know the Spanos are not known for spending, (laughs) so that's that I question that too. Like, are they really going to put out for Harbaugh and his staff and every everything he'll want? But it's more about control, you know. And the most control he's going to get is with the Raiders. You know, I mean, there's virtually nothing that Mark Davis won't turn over to him. And the guy that's there pushing this whole sort of thing is Tom Brady, the biggest Michigan. Fan of all, you know, who's part of the ownership group or will be if they ever mm-hmm. get that ownership deal approved. So, you know, the downside is it's Las Vegas. You have no quarterback. Um, you know, you're going to have to get all that addressed. But he will. He will eventually. I mean, look, If you here's the thing I know about, and they had this graphic. I wish I had taken a picture of it. Um, they had this graphic of the records of the quarterbacks that he has had Since the NFL, going back to Alex Smith with the Mm -hmm. 49ers, Mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick, right? Um, All the guys, including the quarterback that they had this year, you know, at Michigan. I don't think any of them lost more than not even a handful of games during their time with Jim Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. The records of his quarterbacks, because they're his records, are astounding. And all of them have had success. And the most success they had is under Jim Harbaugh, you know? So he's a really good coach and he played that position and you don't have many head coaches that did, right? Not mm-hmm. at the level he played it. Um especially now because the money's so big no one wants to go into coaching predominantly. But I think he's gonna be I think he's going to the NFL, you know? Um he started talking about spring practice getting moved back and all of that. So he it's it's not an absolute. Like he has the option, clearly. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, there's the little,
0: supposedly there's a $11.5 million a year deal on the table at yeah. Michigan.
1: Yeah. But if it's eleven and a half, then yeah, that's yeah. that's clearly NFL money, you know. So it won't be about the money necessarily, but I don't know. And then there's, you know, what he wants for Sarah and his family and his girls, and you know, Jack, his son, and all that. It, it that's all got to figure in there
0: somewhere. But well, everyone says here's the thing about Harbaugh. And everyone says after the COVID year, which they were awful, yeah, that he changed everything, mm-hmm. coaching staff, but he had changed his approach to coaching, to team building, gave yeah. the players a lot more control, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know everyone that that uh, you listen to people that talk to him all the time. Right. Uh, listen to Joel Klatt's podcast, or you talk to you listen to Kirk Herbstreet, or guys that meet with him all because they cover their games all the time. Mm-hmm. Like how different he is these last three years compared to prior, hmm. and how happier he seems, and how more open he is, and and, and the culture that he's built there. Mm-hmm. You know, the the question for him is: Do I want to go start over somewhere? Right, and to go back to the pro game, and he may want to. Right, you know, or do I try to build a dynasty here? There's
1: just a lot about college football, and I've seen mm-hmm. him do it uh, when he was at Michigan. You mm-hmm. know, the the recruiting—it's um, mm-hmm. a twenty-four-seven deal, man. You know, it's a—you it doesn't matter what level you're playing at; it's about the players, not the plays. And you know, in the NFL, some of that is taken care of because you—you you know, your recruiting season is called the NFL draft. Um, and you know where you're picking for the most part. You can move around and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, But you have a scouting department. You have a personnel department. You can just do ball. You know, you can coach ball. Um, You'll have your time when you give input to personnel, and he will probably more than some. Um, But it's not the constant. And now with the NIL, right, which is the Wild West, uh, the transfer portals, like, there's so much that goes Mm -hmm. that, that wasn't even part of college football when he came back to it. Um
0: well what, what did I read tonight that Kirby Smart would listen to will listen to Arthur Blank in Atlanta? Yeah. Oh he yeah. Can, he because will. he's the, he the broken system and that Yes. Now you're you're not just recruiting high school kids. Mm-mm. You're recruiting transfers and you're recruiting your own kids. Because every yeah, year they can to, leave you in the transfer portal. You have to hang on to yours as much as trying to get others. Yeah. And that's you know, now it's truly I mean it used to be, you know, recruiting could only be in these windows and you right. Know, it was still a lot and whatever else, but now you're but you now you've got to recruit transfers and your own players.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's- a totally different thing, man. These guys are just going to get It was bad to begin with even when it was just trying to add players. Now if you're trying to keep your own and and having to stay on top of that stuff, you know, who's playing and if you and now the you know just the mentality of kids today, it starts in high school. I've seen it locally and this was a couple of years ago, you know, you'll have name the quarterback at, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular, I'll just say, for example, you know, Clearwater Central Catholic, and if he's not starting, he transfers to Eastlake. And if he doesn't start there, he goes to Palm Harbor University, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have a high school kid go to three high schools in three years so he can start. I and mean, the mentality is I don't, I don't sit behind anybody. I don't, I don't try to win the job, uh, you know, or wait my turn. I'm going to go and I'm going to play, and I'm going to play right now. And so think about that. Like, you're busting your your hump to try to get the best players, and if they're not playing to their satisfaction or getting enough love or whatever after they
0: sign with you, they're gone. There's a, there's a handful of schools that can still get away with it, Alabama being one. Okay. Where guys go there, and they know, okay, I don't play my freshman year, but, you know, Nick Saban's going to make me better and give me the mm-hmm. best chance to go pro, so I'll, ha- I'll hang out here because – they don't you know guys that go when when you're recruit or you're looking to draft guys from Alabama, you're not sitting there going, well, he wasn't a three year starter. No. He was in Alabama for three years. Okay, he started the last year, because they know the guys that were ahead of him. Yeah. You know, where you don't get punished for that that in mm-hmm. Alabama and maybe Georgia and But you're still not playing. You're not. You know, but you gotta you gotta be okay
1: with sitting behind an all American right. now, he'll only be there for a year or two. But you also know that you know
0: we talked about this with with uh, Byron Brown, you know, as far as would he transfer or look to transfer or not, and it's he's young enough and he's at the stage where who's going to help make me the best right now? Mm-hmm. Like I can stay at USF and start. If Alex Golish is one of the reasons I became as good as I am this year, what can I do another year under him? You know, I mean, that I, I think the smart players are looking at that. Mm-hmm. Some are just going for the money, and and some out of just greed others out of need you can't and you can't fault that Mm -mm. and that that's where the the college football system is broke
1: yeah and for all of that i mean i it just feels to me if i was a betting man i'd bet that he's going to go to the nfl Mm -hmm. um but you never know what's really going through his mind or his his family look pretty happy what's going through their mind when they're on that stage and they've done it you know before it was talking about it now you've done it you know do you want to do it again do you want to be that guy the, you know.
0: Well, I mean, think about this with Jim too. If he if he were to walk away from Michigan, his idol was his coach, mm-hmm. Bo Schembeckler. You can unequivocally say that Jim Harbaugh was a better coach at Michigan than Bo Schembeckler was. Bo never won a title. That's true. You know what Jim has done. You could you could now say that he he is a he is a better coach at Michigan than Bo was, which that mm-hmm. was his idol. That's who he still reveres and, and his father, Jack coached for, you know, if well, he walked, if he walked away, I think, you know, I think Michigan fans would be disappointed, but you know, in, in hanging out and talking to people, it's like, you know, you can't blame him for what might be coming NCAA wise. He's, he's accomplished everything he set out to. So how how could you be mad at the guy?
1: No, he'll be revered forever there, mm-hmm. whether whether he stays or he goes. But um, if he goes, what a what a send off, man! I mean, that was that was impressive. And again, I I was you know hoping for a better game. Felt bad for Michael Penix. I think he did everything he could. He's all beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that I loved was I love
0: seeing Jalen Harrell
1: coming up go to d- him, yeah. go down
0: the tunnel to go say hi that, to him, or that you was know, neat. Hey, you know. Yeah. A mm-hmm. little Tampa love there. love that.
1: Yeah. No, it was good. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right. We got some uh, some NFL to talk about. Some Tampa Bay Lightning with a big comeback win uh, that they had. That was impressive. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, I want to tell you guys that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric have been uh, solar, have been installing solar energy systems down in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners Cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they have always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar insurer, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar, and it's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. So you know, it was it was funny. I think this was probably the first Tampa Bay Lightning game that I've made it a point to watch from start to finish. And boy, I was glad I did. Um, impressive comeback win, and against the LA Kings, and one that they needed because they're playing at home. They're starting the second half. This was the first of of that uh, of those games. And I, uh, they're down two to nothing in the third period. I I really thought that uh, that they were not going to win this game, Steve. I. Is it oversimpl? I think it's oversimplifying things because everybody says, "Well, you know, you're only as good as the, ne- the next game's, you know, goaltender or whatever they say." Uh, but this felt like the type of win that galvanizes your team and says, "You know what? We're we're always in it if we play the right way." Because they they didn't get rewarded. They're down to nothing. I thought they played really well, uh, but they're mm-hmm. still down to nothing. And then they come back and they put up three in the third and. Brandon Hagel,
0: what what a game he had! Um, well, he and AC with, Mont just dragged the team into the fight. They 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 carried them. Yeah, you know, AC Mont set up the mock goal, and then Hagel yep. was incredible on his goal. Yep, like they they just bring energy. They they drag you into the fight. Yeah, you know, no, when the team's didn't... not playing. And I I, th- I didn't think the team was playing bad tonight. I thought they had some lapses for a few minutes and gave up two goals. They they yeah. they've been doing that a lot this year. Where. Whatever you want, cluster goals, or you know, they give Any up mistake. two, two goals mistake. in three minutes, or three yeah. goals in five minutes, and it just you know, you know, call it a brain fart, call it a whatever you want, right? But they tend to it's like they don't they don't play the whole game bad. It's they have a, a spell, right, four or five minutes that all of a sudden, boom, there is three goals in your net. Yeah, you know, what happened? Wait a minute, we were playing well, mm-hmm. you know, and and they kind of did that tonight against a team that's really good defensively. I mean, the Kings are one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. And right. as, as the game kept going on, and you're down two nothing in the third, you're kind of going, "I don't think they can do this." Because mm-hmm. LA was yeah. just kind of packing it in. And
1: well, that's what they do. They, you, mm-hmm. they, they, you got to get in front of them. Down, you know, you gotta get dirty goals against them, you know, and you, because and, they're gonna, like you said, pack it in. And it's just nothing's easy, and they, and they managed. That's the thing. They came, they came back against a team that doesn't give it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and-, and they scored the goal. And you're thinking, okay, now there's a shot. And then it was waved off for goaltender mm-hmm. interference. Yeah, yeah. That and that's tough. when you kind of went, okay, this isn't their night. Not their night. Yeah, that was tough. But yet they still came back and scored two more and then sent it to overtime. And how about Nick Purbick's first goal of the year? Yeah, good timing there. But also that wasn't that
1: uh, – that was Hagel too, wasn't it, that kept the puck alive mm-hmm. or was yep. it point? I think it was Hagel. Uh, kept it alive in the corner and then found him, and then, and then uh, yeah, he, perfect's finished. It was, you know, in overtime, games are kind of a crapshoot. You know, you're like, okay, they got a point. Let's see if they can get two, and they did. So great game to be at. The the atmosphere looked really good. Um, people were into it, and mostly Lightning fans because it was L.A., uh, which is good. So maybe, maybe this gives them, you know, start of the second season, if you will. Maybe this gives them a little bit of boost because I know this. They're not very good on the road. They're going to have to win the majority of these home games, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, other teams have some games at hand on them, right? Are we still in that situation?
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's getting better uh-huh. because a lot of the teams around them have been losing too. Yeah. So you're you know if the playoffs started right now, mm-hmm. the Lightning are the last wild card. They are okay, right. but they're like they're a point ahead of New Jersey, who they're playing Thursday. Okay. But New Jersey has four games in hand. Yeah. They're a point okay. ahead of Washington. They've got four games in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the division, it's a little better. Like, for instance, they're a point ahead of Detroit. Detroit's only got two games in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're, you're the gap's starting to close a little bit. They're and the starting light, to catch up. The Lightning yeah. are, you know, for instance, you are going to play Thursday and Saturday this week. Then they don't have another game till next Thursday. So mm-hmm. some of those games might get caught up early next week. Right. As teams will maybe have a game next Monday or Tuesday. And that, that could go either way. That could be good well, or bad. Yeah. But you still have to win your up. games. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Lightning are, I don't want to say a precarious spot because they're right in there. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not assured. It's not guaranteed. It's And it's, you know, they've got to figure out how to be more consistent. Right. And they've got to figure out how to get the puck out of their zone more. Right. Because that's, yeah, that's really. a lot of time down there. I, I don't think a lot of their issues have been defensively. It's been getting the puck out once they get the puck back. Mm-hmm. And it's the turnovers and the it's blind kind of where it was back. last year, though. Too, you know, like I don't know that they've been able to improve uh, that. I, I it's it seems like it's been a lot worse this year. It's it sure seems like more of those mistakes end up in their net quickly. That's true. That's what they all say. They all agree with that. They're all like, "Look, every mistake we made seems ends up a goal." Mm-hmm. I mean, what know? was the There was the game last week. Uh, wasn't the Boston one? Was it the, maybe it's the Winnipeg? It was like you know, every goal was in their zone for three seconds, Mm -hmm. like a turnover and boom. Yeah. And they weren't running great offense and, and running you around. It was rushes and odd man rushes and breakaways. And, you know, you, you just can't live on giving those up, play the right way, man, get it to the boards, get it
1: down the ice. I mean, you know, you just, that if, but if they improve that part of it and they're going to have to be better on the road, um, like I think it was Hagel they were interviewing after the game. He said, Listen, it's always about how you finish. It's never gonna be about how you start, you know? And if you if you play well down the stretch and get into the postseason, that's the goal. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, we had a we didn't have a great first half, but we can do something about it in the second half, you know, and maybe maybe this will be the start of it. So it was an impressive game. Um and I don't like I say, they play so many, I don't know that there's any singular game, but it might be a turning point if they can build off of this, where you look back and go, you know what, that game right there, they they could have lost that game two to nothing, two to one, and they came back and got the dub and and got the two points, and they they never looked back. So, um, long way to go, but uh, impressive start to to what was kind of the second half of the season. Um, we'll be at <laughs> we'll be at one buck place now. The Bucks, you know, they have a Monday night game, of course, in the postseason and. and Against Philadelphia, it's not ideal, but I think it's it was inevitable because of, of where they're seated. Uh, and in this case, it's actually going to help them on on the front end because Baker Mayfield has a lot of injuries. He's still got you know he's dealing with the rib soreness. He's got uh, I think the bigger concern is his ankle uh, and the lack of mobility that he has in, in that ankle and how comfortable he'll be you know pushing off and doing things like that. So so that extra time even on Monday you don't play till Monday night. Like you don't think about. Those hours in between, it's almost a full day there uh, before he has to go out on the field. So, that's going to be advantageous if they're able to get you know through this first round. Then, of course, on the back end, you have a short week, especially if you know every all the favorites win over the weekend, and then you're going to San Francisco with a longer trip. So that's that's not necessarily there, but you cross that bridge when you get to it. You hope you have that problem and all those all those things. I thought, and I would just encourage people like go to the Tampa Bay Times and Tampa dot John Romano, like I don't know the guy's name, John Romano, uh, wrote a a pretty interesting column. And you know, there, there's just there's a lot of people, and you guys know who you are, who just don't want Todd Bowles as their head coach. They just don't, you know, they don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. And God knows that Tampa Bay, we're all about Super Bowls now, okay? And so. And that's fine if you don't like the coach, want the coach, okay. But you need to acknowledge this, and I think John did a good day, a good uh, job of explaining it better than I'm trying to. Uh, and that is that there's not been a coach that the Bucks have had up till now, and and maybe not many that were out there available that could have done a better job with this team. Okay, it, it certainly wasn't going to be a John Gruden, you know, who was constantly looking for the next veteran to salvage, you know, and free agency was his, the only path he thought to victory. Uh, and, and if you lost two out of three, much less four out of five, or in this case, five out of six, that thing, that ship was never turning around because John couldn't get himself turned around. You know, he's a great front running coach. When things are going great, he was great. And his teams were great. But when there was a lot of adversity, he had trouble, uh, You know, getting himself in that right frame of mind, and so therefore his team stayed down. Um, I again, the thing about Todd Bowles is he knew what the makeup of this roster was going to be. It's the youngest team, the youngest team in the National Football League. They went from the oldest to the youngest, and he knew that these young players were going to have to start and play huge roles from the get go, but they weren't going to be ready, you know. And that didn't matter because you're going to have to play them anyway. And so you, you had to endure some of the mistakes, uh, the growing pains, them understanding what pro ball is versus college, the system, the responsibilities, all of those things. And then also take on a first-time play caller that we've talked about. You know, where this guy, it's not like he was just coming from college to the NFL and had to make an adjustment. He was coming from high school essentially as a play caller, had not done it, okay, and was getting schooled uh by you know very veteran defensive coordinators every week. And so all of that I don't think there's many head coaches that would have, you know, in this case that stoic demeanor that everyone seems to have trouble with, you know, that steady hand. That's what enabled this football team to go on that run, you know, to win 5 out of 6 down the stretch and make the playoffs, get into the postseason. And I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. It doesn't matter how you get here. It, nothing can happen for a football team until they make the tournament. Nothing. And there is a lot of teams. Ask Jacksonville. That was eight and three, right? Ask New Orleans that had the same record as the Bucks. There are so many teams that they wouldn't care if they could have gotten in the postseason that they're sitting home. Their fans aren't going to games next Monday night. And, That ultimately is what it's about. And if you do it enough times, you know, you're going to have that run. You're going to have those matchups. You know, you're going to get hot at the right time. And this team, from a win standpoint, is five out of six is hot. Would you rather be Philadelphia that's lost five out of six? You know, the people in in the city of brotherly love does, does not have much love for the way the Eagles are playing right now. They don't have any confidence they're going to win. You know, during this stretch, they're giving up almost 30 points a game. Almost 30 a game. So, you know, I, I just go and read the column because I think he lays out a, a, a good argument for why, uh, like him or not, Todd Bowles was the right guy for this season. And he did as good a job as you could have hoped um, given the circumstances that they put themselves in. So I just, you know, I, I my timeline is a cesspool right now. Um, and it usually is. But a, a lot of... A lot of people just, you know, if you're a Bucs fan, i just trying to understand, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of people in Miami, the Jets, Buffalo, that wish that Bill Belichick was their coach or that Tom Brady was their quarterback, right? But that didn't mean that you couldn't find your own Bill Belichick or your own Tom Brady and, and you know, enjoy the playoffs. And maybe, maybe there would be a, a year where you could, you know, the matchups favor you or somebody knocks off. New England and you make your run like not everybody's going to have you know the coach of the year or or for that matter not everybody's going to have an Andy Reid type that can go somewhere and be fortunate enough to find some quarterbacks and stick there for you know as many years as Andy has in the two places he's been Philadelphia and Kansas City um you know they're getting rid of Bill Belichick more than likely when we haven't heard exactly how that's going to go but how about the firings and in uh, the NFL this year, we had Mike Frable added to the list.
0: Yeah, that's a little. i a shocking may not be the right word. Surprising, a little surprising, bit. yeah. I mean, look at who his quarterbacks have been: Ryan and Tannehill. It, and it, well, and then to Will Levis and Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, and and you know, look at his division getting better around him hmm Which is maybe why they made the moves. Yeah,
1: I wonder if some of that. Like he was fired, and not, it wasn't like a mutual parting because I I would make them fire me too if they owed me money and stuff like that. But um, but listen, the people in New England are all excited because they think, well, if if Belichick is moved on from, you know, then then we we bring Vrabel home. He's a very good coach. And he won a lot of games until up to the last couple of years. I don't know exactly. I think again, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not gonna win. That's I think that's kind of where it goes. But uh Vrabel's out there, Harbaugh's out there, um Rivera, if you want to repackage yeah. him, I suppose. Belichick maybe out there. Bill Belichick. I mean, these are these are huge names of of head coaches that have won a lot of football games and been to a lot of playoff games and maybe Nick Sirianni. Uh, maybe Nick Sirianni. and and that's you know, if you listen to Philadelphia radio, man, they've had it with the guy. It's you know, he he messes with the defense. He put Matt Patricia in charge and that's when they started giving up 30 points a game. And offensively, they're a mess, you know. Um Jalen Hurts is is not healthy and and therefore not being as good, you know, outside the pocket with the football and and their offensive output is is down. So, you know, they're coming in with just this the reverse of the Bucks. They have no momentum at all. Now, you know, one playoff win will certainly help get it back, but they might not be able to turn it on that fast. So this will be a fascinating game. Like, this is the one time you can say, okay, the Bucks really are not supposed to win and, and they're playing a little bit with house money, and that makes them dangerous because there's still plenty of good players on the defensive side anyway uh, that showed what they can do against an NFL team, albeit Carolina. I understand that. But when they're getting turnovers, when they're making hustle plays like Antoine Winfield does all over the field, it was good to see, um, I don't know, Good Good Morning Football, you know, did this thing where they were selecting the best defensive backs of the year. And Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, got, uh, De- got McCourty's pick, Jason McCourty's pick, as the top defensive back of all the NFL, which was good to see, you know, finally Antoine get his flowers there. But... Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you should enjoy this team. You should appreciate them for achieving what they have, because again, most people, quote unquote, did not expect to see them in the postseason, and for the run they had to go on to get here, uh, really speaks to a lot of character, both in that locker room and in. It's a good. I can say this too about the coaching staff. Whether you like Bulls, dislike Bulls. There's a lot of really good coaches on this staff, like guys that would be snapped up tomorrow and, and teams would be happy to have them, you know. And uh, Bruce uh, Bruce, Bruce, Allen, Bruce Arians assembled most of those guys. They're his guys. Uh, and then, you know, Todd made a bunch of changes and he brought in uh, even better coaches in some respects. So, um, you know, like I said, it takes an organization to win, not just the head coach, you know, you get all the attention and the camera's on you and you're speaking before the room. But that sort of steady, what fans would say, you know, boring, you know, kind of demeanor, that's exactly what the Bucks needed this year. They needed a steady hand of a guy that, you know, knew how to get it fixed, uh, kept after it, wasn't deterred by the losing streaks and, and turned it around. And I'm telling you, it's so hard to do. Um, there's just not many teams that can lose like that uh, and still be focused on getting better and get better and not lose guys in the locker room along the way. It just doesn't happen. And that's sort of what's happening in Philadelphia right now. You've got a lot of finger-pointing uh, players, coaches, all of that. Uh, and it's not a healthy situation, but it is in Tampa. So we'll be out there to talk to Baker Mayfield, I think, today and some other assorted players, maybe Antoine Winfield Jr. It's a bonus day in terms of access. Uh, they're going to do a little walkthrough Wednesday and then on Thursday will be like their normal Wednesday practice and so on as they go through the weekend and get ready for Monday night football. Uh only game in town and uh you know it'll be Joe Buck, Troy Aikman and the gang. And uh here we go. You know, the NFL postseason is uh is almost upon us. So glad to have you back, Steve. I know it was <laughs> it's always always fun to uh to try to transport family <laughs> across the country. The airlines are a challenge. You had some challenges. I had some coming back from uh, Charlotte. So uh, the storm was a factor. But we're all back, and we'll be here all week long getting you ready for the Bucks and, of course, Philadelphia on Monday night football as well as the Lightning and as they proceed through their second half of the season. So thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.